Hello and welcome. My name is Jacinda Archwell. I'm Chief Pharmacist at the Royal Marsden Hospital and Chair of the Hospital Expert Advisory Group for the Royal Pharmacy Society. Today we're going to go through four key topics of discussion that are taking place amongst Chief Pharmacists across the whole of the country. The first one of those is concerning the NHS People Plan and I'd like to introduce Helen Porter who's going to talk through some of the key pharmacy aspects of the NHS People Plan. Helen. Thank you, Jat. So the NHS Long-Term Plan signals a critical role for pharmacy professionals in providing care to the public in the delivering the ambitions of the plan. For the workforce to be able to do that, we recognise that there needs to be a change in the approaches to training and education, particularly around broadening the training experience to include cross-sector and being structured and consistent, especially with our offering at foundation stages of people's career. The other critical enabler is the requirement to have pharmacy system leaders as part of the ICSs. And these will be critical to understand, influence the workforce challenges in within the system and also to be able to ensure that patients get the maximum benefit from their medicines. So what are the key deliverables for pharmacy as part of the people plan? So there are a number of key priorities for pharmacy in the people plan. The first one is around the need to develop a nationally funded model to deliver foundation pharmacist training. The importance of that will be to deliver a sustainable training route for clinical pharmacists. Whilst the initial driver will be around supply of pharmacists for PCNs, there is a recognition that the need to grow and develop the pharmacy workforce at foundation level will be system-wide. It is recognised that the foundation training programme has several interdependencies with a number of other things that are currently going on, one of those being the review of the initial education and training standards that the GPHC have recently consulted on, and the desire that that will bring to have greater integration and more clinical exposure through the undergraduate degree. Another critical deliverable for pharmacy workforce in the People Plan is the need to have chief pharmacists as part of the ICSs as system leaders in order to ensure the delivery of the Medicines Value Programme and to ensure the appropriate deployment of the workforce. And that is ensuring that we have the right, right numbers of the workforce in the right place for the right skill sets. The second thing that I'm going to talk about today is, is the pharmacy preparations for the EU exit. So it is in all likelihood that we will leave the EU on the 31st of October 2019. And we've discussed as a pharmacy profession how well prepared we are and how much improved knowledge we now have in the management of medicines leading up to that date of the 31st of October. There's a huge amount of reassurance that there is a lot of central control and coordination, regional EU exit teams in place. We have got shortage response groups that have been set up to help manage in the event of any shortages of medicines. We'll have daily CITREPs in place on the London region, whereby there were feedback of any concerns regarding medicine supply. In some ways, the delay that occurred in March 2019 with EU exit has allowed us to become a lot more prepared for the date of the end of October. We realise now that we've got to have a much clearer comms with our frontline staff and our clinicians and patients, and there are some great resources on the NHS England website regarding advice to those groups. There are some key facts leading up to EU exit. The first one of those is 76% of all medicines and 56% of devices are imported from or through the EU, and many of those supplies come through the Dover Straits. But we also know that there has been other capacity that's been purchased in other ports to allow the safe and continued supply of medicines through those ports. We also know that the Department of Health and Social Care have checked with every supplier 
to ensure they have got at least six weeks extra buffer stock in, in their warehouses. That should give us a lot of reassurance that there should be no problems with continued supply with medicines. However, saying that, all of our organisations and all the chief pharmacists across primary and secondary care have done their own internal risk assessments to ensure that they've got robust plans in the event of any shortages. The third area that we've discussed today from an RPS perspective is review of the faculty and the feedback from the task and finish group. I'm delighted we've got Amund Dahl here who's going to talk that through with us. So over to you, Amund. Thank you, Jack. So we have been reviewing um, faculty, which is a programme that the RPS delivers at the moment, which is recognising um, advanced practice. But what we found in the work that we've done last year is that faculty um, hasn't really been taken up as had been originally anticipated. So we've got low numbers and that's because people are really unsure of what to do with faculty. So it can either be as a program that recognises previous experience and a recognition of what you've achieved and the impact you've had on the profession, or it's a self-development tool. And um, when things have more than one function, they don't seem to do one um, very well. So what we decided to do was review what faculty is and then make some recommendations on what a new service could look like. So I'd like to stress the point that these are recommendations at the moment until we get approval from assembly and we operationalise them in the next phase. So some of the drivers that got us to review faculty, not just that it wasn't working, um, is that pharmacy has changed in the last five years. So, you know, Helen's already mentioned the people plan and we've got more patients who have got more complex needs with more um, complex medicines regimes. And we need pharmacists to be able to support those patients in a more complex manner. So we need to be able to have assurance that pharmacists are working at a good standard and at a high level. And we also need a system that actually works across Great Britain. Advanced practice is something that we have in Wales, Scotland and England. So we need a system that works in all health economies. So we've set up a task and finish group that's been together for the last five months to review the current faculty system and develop some recommendations. So one of the key things I'd ask everyone to think about is actually old ways don't open new doors. So we have completely... um, Thought, we've thought that actually we'd like to have a completely new service that actually looks at credentialing um, advanced level practice prospectively as opposed to faculty which recognises practice retrospectively. So you can find um, more information on faculty and the work that we've done on our faculty review webpage whereas here I'll just go over the recommendations that we've come up with at a high level. So we'd like to have a system that um, looks at advanced level practice which is um, based on the advanced pharmacy framework as it exists already, but we'd like to establish core advanced practice and what that looks like so everyone is working to the same standard. And in that, we'd like to recognise people that are currently working at that advanced practice, but also going into new roles. So people who've done current masters in advanced um, practice through universities and the independent prescribing course, how how do they all fit in? And with that, we'd have a list of advanced practitioners that can be accessed by employers or other organisations. So there's an assurance there from their perspective that they are recruiting someone that they know is working to a particular standard. And we see that everyone would achieve the core advanced practice curriculum. And then if you were to go and specialise in a particular area, you would work, we would want to work with the specialist groups 
to establish what that curriculum looks like and then you would progress through their assessment process. And with that, so we recognise this is a new service, we would like to keep the old faculty model but very light touch so people would like recognition of their current well, previous experience and bringing all their achievements together then that faculty system would still exist but just in a very light touch way and we would envisage there to be no maintenance model as there is now once you've got your um, recognition that would be with you for life so essentially we'd have a new old faculty retrospective and a new service which is prospective but again to see all of this in in a very visual form go to the faculty review webpage and you'll see more information there you'll find the link to the faculty review page with this podcast the fourth topic that chief pharmacists from secondary care have been discussing recently is the future delivery of outsourced outpatient pharmacy services many organizations outsource their outpatient pharmacies to third-party providers Some decided to set up their own companies that were owned by the hospitals to run their outpatients. And as people are coming towards the end of their initial contracts with a third-party provider or indeed their own subsidiary company, they're all looking at what the future options are for delivery of these services. These aren't straightforward conversations because it involves a huge amount of change, potentially increased costs, but also looking at the long-term sustainability of these outsourced outpatient services. And so the conversations in this arena are going to continue for a few months yet. Thank you again to Helen Porter, Pharmacy Dean for London and South East at HEE, and Jatinda Hajariwal, the Chief Pharmacist at the Royal Marsden. We'll see you next time for the RPS Hospital podcast.